0: Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Before we get started, we did want to let everyone know how much we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, I, I know we were we were a little worried when SB Nation decided to switch platforms to Megaphone uh, at the start of the offseason. We knew you'd all basically have to resubscribe, find us elsewhere. It kind of felt like we were starting over, but we did the numbers today. I think it kind of exceeded what we were expecting, especially with it being all off season episodes with almost no guests. So with the season getting closer, we'll definitely be working towards bringing guests guest to the show so you don't have to listen to just us we promise
1: so what this tells me Wes, is uh when they say people are desperate for any type of college football content in the off season uh they are pretty damn desperate
0: <laughs> or, or maybe we're just that enjoyable to listen to
1: well uh i mean i keep throwing out jokes so eventually some of them's got to stick but hey <laughs> All right, uh, well, we do appreciate it though for yeah, sure
0: yeah no doubt um the 2020 sec schedules have dropped they are not what we are accustomed to seeing. It looks like the conference is trying to move away from the FCS or non-Power 5 matchups in the week prior to rivalry week in week 12. Now, this is not across the board yet, but Alabama plays Texas A&M the week before the Iron Bowl, Brad. Auburn plays LSU that week. Kentucky and Georgia also play each other week 11, so you'll have about half of the conference playing their their non-conference games in week 11 a couple of them in week 10, then some a little more scattered through the front half of the schedule. So definitely different than what we're used
1: to. Yep. And I'm sure it still will not be good enough, but I fully anticipate some of the Dan's, whether Danny, Dan, any of those try to take credit for this one, I'm sure. But (laughs) it's a nice change. Look, I'm not against it in any facet, but the thing is, if no one else is going to do it, why the hell should we? But kudos to the SEC and, you know, the school athletic directors and presidents and everybody getting together and doing this. And, uh, you know, I, look, we all know what savings for. The nine games I'd love. Play all 13 other SEC teams in a four-year span. You know, one out of conference, it'd be awesome. But right now, why force change when you can do what you have and win? So, Why make it worse when no one else wants to? Yeah, just
0: focusing in on Alabama's 2020 schedule, they open with USC and Dallas. I know we touched on this partially last week. Neither one of us think Clay Helton survives this season. Who is Nick Saban coaching against during that game?
1: Mm. Man, That's tough. I mean, I I think right now it's probably going to be a name that's not way up there, to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to be Urban Meyer, barring some miracle, because I think He's probably waiting for that Notre Dame job, like I said. Uh, if anything, they do the Pete Carroll tree still because you know it's like a uh, it's it's like an X you can't get over. Somehow you keep running back to it. But I think it's we're gonna be just like how with Clay Helton, he was out of the blue, kind of out of left field, didn't quite get the hire, and it didn't work. I, I right now I would think it's something along the lines of that.
0: James Franklin was a big name last yeah. year that kept getting brought up uh, amongst the USC fan base. I'm thinking James Franklin or Matt Campbell.
1: Matt Campbell would be a hell of a hire for them.
0: I think he would be perfect at Southern Cal. Uh, in theory, whoever their coach is will have some talent to work with. Their 17 and 18 recruiting class both finished fourth in the nation. They've signed the talent. Clay Helton has just done nothing with it. so. There will be some upperclassmen from those two classes, and maybe a guy like Matt Campbell can get the most out of some of those players, and that ends up being a signature win for Alabama to start the season if USC can maybe capitalize on their roster. Also, assuming JT Daniels keeps the starting job there this year, they'll be sending a third-year starting quarterback out against Alabama, so there could be more substance to that matchup than maybe what it seems like right now.
1: Yeah, I was there in that 16 opener, and uh, I would love to go back outside of just how great the experience was because I do think it'll be a big game, and I don't anticipate maybe as big of a difference in uh, the scoring in that game as uh, 2016, (laughs) but way too early to say. But it will be interesting um, because there will be a massive amount of hype from one side if the season goes the way we expect and there is a coaching change. Mm
0: -hmm. The front end of the schedule stays tough, too. With Georgia in Tuscaloosa on Week Three, Brad. So two of your first three games are a neutral site game against USC and a home game against
1: Georgia. Well, it's about time we get to uh, host the the bowl cut game. <laughs> um, you know, when we expanded back in '14, that's when they were supposed to come in the A&M game, the Menzel uh, Magic game. That was going to be the Georgia game, but they kicked it back. And uh, I'm glad we finally get to play them just like i'm glad we finally get to take care of uh, south carolina this coming season but man that is going to be a hell of a game and it's a it's a uh in conference game week two that's probably going to feature uh you can m- somewhere shuffle the numbers around of one one to four for both those teams and i don't know necessarily the last time i've seen uh, in conference game that early in the season with teams ranked that high it
0: seems like That will be such a different game, too, than what we've seen the past two seasons and what we could potentially see this season again in Atlanta. Tua and Jake Fromm are two of the top three projected quarterbacks in the next draft. So it's likely both Alabama and Georgia are breaking in new quarterbacks in 2020. Alabama will have some options, Mac Jones, Talia, Paul Tyson, then potentially Bryce Young, too, if he ends up flipping from USC. Georgia's quarterback room does not seem as promising. They could really, really be in trouble if Jake Fromm declares after this season. Uh, 2020 was supposed to be the year of Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, obviously he transfers to Ohio State. They signed Dwayne Mathis and Stetson Bennett last cycle. Uh, Mathis was ranked right outside of the top 300. To me, he's really not a guy you'd ideally want to trot out there in year two. And Stetson Bennett, if you haven't heard that name, there's a reason. uh, He was signed as, as an emergency quarterback signing once they realized that they needed another body there with fields gone and he actually started his career as a walk-on at georgia before transferring to a juco he's now back he was the 166th ranked juco prospect in the nation his other offers were umass kent state samford so not your typical georgia quarterback signing
1: no not at all and uh what do they have this year uh anything committed quarterback-wise yeah. or targeting.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of the wild card here. So that's the uh, former Alabama commitment, Carson Beck, who Georgia now has committed in, in this class. Top 150 guy right now with a chance to really move up. But re- regardless, barring Jake from returning for a senior year or something else unforeseen, they're going to come to Tuscaloosa with either a true freshman at quarterback, a second-year guy at quarterback who really wasn't that highly ranked, or Stetson Bennett at quarterback, which, if that's the case, go ahead and pencil in the W.
1: I don't know. I'm not confident in anything behind Tua yet, especially Mac, unless he's made big strides in the moment. But, you know, you're losing in hell, possibly three wide receivers, mm-hmm. uh, a couple offensive linemen, maybe even a running back. So, well, well, we'll see there, but, you know, it'll it'll still be a hell of a hyped uh, matchup. Won't be surprised. College game day uh, will be at Tuscaloosa, and they'll have a guest that it will have no affiliation with Alabama <laughs> per usual. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah it's going to be some pop star that nobody cares about. So Exactly. In, into the middle part of the schedule, Alabama, it's pretty typical. Uh, at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, Mississippi State, at Tennessee, everything stays pat there, but three of the last four games are brutal. At LSU – Texas A&M and the Iron Bowl at home so the first quarter of the schedule and the last third are a lot different in 2020 than what they are in 2019.
1: You better enjoy it right now because that I think A&M is going to be a hell of a team next year if they get if they get Calamon back and he continues to make the strides like he did in the second half of next year I really think they could potentially bust that A&M perception of the uh, second half of the season like you know they've got, they fall off the rails because I do think they'll be a really good team next year, and that is a that's a tough spot to fit them in. You know, coming after LSU uh, in a game prior to that one, then you get A&M, and then you've got to go Auburn uh, the following week. That's pretty tough. Not the toughest in the conference for next year at the end, but it's pretty tough.
0: The positive in that is I think if you come into those final four games undefeated, you're safe for the playoffs, going three and one. So and, oh, Unless yeah. you drop the UT Martin game.
1: Which, I mean, what was it, uh, 999,000 last year <laughs> for uh, uh, who would we play? Uh, damn, I don't even remember. So, yeah, that'll probably be the same sentiment at the end of next season. I, I won't remember.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back to hit on an interesting national story. All right, Brad, a few days ago, Kelly Bryant said he never received a national championship ring from Clemson. Dabo Sweeney was asked about it and says Kelly Bryant was not on the team if you're not on the team you do not get a ring Uh, there seems to be two takes on this you have one side saying he's a quitter he doesn't deserve a ring from Clemson and another side saying he was part of the equation he helped them win games that got them there in a national championship year where do you fall
1: honestly I can go both sides of the fence here but if I'm gonna lean one way uh, I'm gonna lean a the team sport way, you know, he did. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily commit 100% to quitting on the team as labeling it that, but at the end of the day, he was the leader. I mean, he was the guy in terms of leadership, seniority, the locker room, everything. And it just—I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it was sour going into the season, and it eventually broke apart. I don't think he deserves it. No, you know, this is not the year before. This is this past season where he still just as Jalen proved could have done what he's supposed to do wait his time if needed and shine in that moment so no
0: okay but so, okay, all right here's my th- there's a little bit of a difference between him and Jalen because Jalen still had that extra year Kelly Bryant was a senior so he was basically on the ropes where he had to make that decision three or four games into the year I think it was the fourth game into the year is when he transferred if he didn't transfer then he lost his senior year last year was it and he's behind Trevor Lawrence.
1: I mean, I see your point. Um, that is tough, but I don't know, man. I At the end of the day, it's team sport, and that's how it's always going to be. And that's how it's going to be perceived inside that locker room. That's the thing is you, we won't get the perspective on the record from inside that locker room. And I have a feeling it would have created more issues for this year's team had he got one. Than not getting one.
0: Yeah, and, and also they likely do not win that that Texas AM and game without him last year. It's very possible too. Had yeah. they lost that game, they're not in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that and the damn touchback.
0: <laughs> and, and look, he had one of the better quarterback prospects in recent memory come in and win the job in week five. He had to make that quick decision for his future. Um, he likely does not get a shot at the next level if he chooses the path to stay. So do you preserve that year of If it's you, do you preserve that year of eligibility and start somewhere else for a year uh, where you can put your talent on display, maybe get a chance as a pro football player? Or do you just kind of sit behind the freshman and let your senior year play out like that? I think the best choice for Kelly Bryant's future was pretty obvious, and that. that was the choice that he made. So for me, it'd be really tough to look at that guy who helped you win games, who helped you make the playoffs, who you maybe would not be in the playoffs without, and who made the best decision for his future, and basically tell him he wasn't really a part of it.
1: Well, I'm sure if we told him you know, uh, what the future was going to hold and what he did and that he's going to get to get uh, his plays from Derek Dooley in his (laughs) final season, that that would have really made him excited.
0: (laughs) I thought about this, too. Just from the Dabo perspective, like Dabo preaches family and doing what's best oh, for the kids, Jesus you know, I mean, he does though, right? He puts himself out there. I like, know, oh, hey, but yeah, but this is f-
1: finally proving he's a hypocrite between yeah, this right. and the damn gauntlet comment he made, you know, about Alabama and the SEC. Yeah, yeah.
0: So when he's sitting in a living room and he's telling mom and dad that he's going to put their son in the best position for their future, he tells them that he has their best interests at heart. Transferring was in Kelly Bryant's best interest. So it gives me a little pause when he's bitter or he he's acting kind of petty about this. It makes it seem like putting someone in a position that's best for them or having their best interests at heart only applies when a kid is doing something for you. So it seems very conditional.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a business. He's just better than some at cultivating the narrative and controlling the narrative with his persona and the way he interacts with the media because he's not that – He's not that figure that can be an easy target, a la Nick Saban, because, my God, I don't even have to go into detail of if it was Nick Saban that did not give a quarterback that left a ring. I mean, it, it just, no. He would have already been fired 12 times over.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not, I want to start by saying I'm not comparing Dabo to Hugh Freeze when I, when I say this. But you yeah. remember my, my Hugh Freeze. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, these are two completely different men, two completely different situations, and different sets of morals. Uh, But my beef with Hugh Freeze, it was not that he was cheating or the other scandal surrounding him. It was what he tried to make himself out to be in the public eye. Like, who he was and who he said he was were two different things. So on a much smaller scale, that's part of my problem with this. Like, everything that he preaches kind of goes against this
1: decision. Well, and then you got the whole Osterine stuff back in December, too, Mm -hmm. with the drug test, so... Uh, Again, I mean, it's finally more now because Clemson is consistently now a top-tier team. Um, It is now more public and easier to spot the hypocrisy of Dabo and how he is not maybe exactly what he was eight years ago. And I also think it's, you know, him... Evolving with the success too, because it is a business. He gets that, but he don't care too. I don't think in in the sense of he's got Clemson to the point where it's gonna. It may hurt them on a recruit, but hell, let's look at the top 50, top 100 recruits this year. I mean, it's it's yeah. is it really hurting them? No. no, I mean, and again, some of us have seen this foreshadowing for several years, and that's why. The hashtag Never Dabo has existed for several years.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, if I'm Nick Saban, like you're saying, if I'm Nick Saban or I'm Kirby Smart or one of the teams that typically recruits against Clemson, I'm not above using this story. I'm asking mom and dad, hey, how much does he really care about his guys when they can't do anything for him anymore?
1: I'd love to hear an interview of an ex-girlfriend of Dabo's. I bet it was glorious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, I'm all for negative recruiting. I think you do whatever you can to get the prospects that you need. And look, and some people respond to it. Some people don't. I guess you have to gauge the person, the living room that you're in. But if I have someone willing to listen to that, I'm using that story.
1: Damn right. And I would send them their own copy of a replica of our ring instead. You know,
0: We will send you one of these rings.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to call up whatever the hell that company was in high school with the uh Justins. Justins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a, you know, ring for everybody. So um I'm surprised his wife actually got a ring on their wedding day the way he does. It, so
0: <laughs> everybody gets a ring in Tuscaloosa. Uh, this has been the Roll Bemmeroll podcast. Roll Tide.